More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair, it's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. (laughs) You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. A would-be assassin was apprehended outside the Maryland home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh last night. Police say Nicholas Roski, who was armed with a gun and more, by the way, was taken into custody just one block from the Kavanaugh family's house, was apparently upset at the high court's draft decision, which would overturn Roe v. Wade. The foil attack comes after a month of heated rhetoric by Democrats who have encouraged demonstrators to protest outside the homes of pro-life justices. I'll take a look at the growing threat of left-wing violence and the Democrats that are fueling it in tonight's Overwatch. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. We were warning about this as soon as the leak of the Supreme Court draft opinion happened. It was meant to create an environment of tremendous pressure, an environment really of fear for the conservative justices on the court, the idea being that there would be so much fury and rage out there that none of the justices who were going to overturn Roe v. Wade would feel like their personal and their family's safety was guaranteed anymore. So this is something that we were concerned about on the right from the very beginning, and sure enough, those concerns have proven to be all too real. Uh, Washington Post put out a story on the would-be Kavanaugh assassin that had some details. A California man carrying at least one weapon, by the way, it was a pistol, it was also a knife, it was also a crowbar, zip ties, near Brett Kavanaugh's Maryland home has been taken into custody by police after telling officers he wanted to kill the Supreme Court justice. The man, described as being in his mid-20s, was found to be carrying a weapon, burglary tools, 
uh, and people speaking on the condition of an anonymity, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so they found a guy near Kavanaugh's home who says he wanted to kill Justice Kavanaugh because of Roe v. Wade, obviously, who had burglary tools, who had zip ties, perhaps to take hostages uh, of Kavanaugh's family members, who had a pistol on him, um, and who was wearing a tactical vest. So this is a terrifying lunatic, obviously. This is somebody who has to be taken seriously and has been taken into custody and is being charged with attempted, uh, attempted murder. So this, though, doesn't just come out of nowhere. It comes in specific response to left-wing attempts to undermine the safety of conservative, not all judges, just conservative justices on the Supreme Court. And people are furious about this because there have been protests that in violation of clear federal statute have been allowed to happen at the homes of judges like Kavanaugh. This is a violation of federal law. People should be absolutely furious that this has been allowed to happen. And DOJ's Merrick Garland, the attorney general, responded today. And this is what he had to say. So this kind of behavior is obviously is behavior that we will not tolerate. Threats of violence and actual violence against the justices, of course, strike at the heart of our democracy, and we will do everything we can to prevent them and to hold people who do them accountable. For that reason, last month, I accelerated uh, the protection of all the justices' residences 24-7. Also last month, I met with the marshal of the court. I, I, I uh, convened a meeting with her as well as with the deputy director of the FBI, with the director of the Marshal Service, um, and with our own uh, law enforcement, our own uh, prosecutors, to ensure every degree of protection available as possible. Okay, what about the protests at the homes of judges in violation of federal law? Meant to intimidate members of the judiciary. That, you protest at somebody's private home to frighten them and their wives or their husbands and their children. That's why these left-wing activists are doing it. By the way, the group Ruth sent us has already put out a tweet saying that they will, tonight, after an attempted, or rather a would-be assassin of Justice Kavanaugh was taken into custody, the group left-wing radical pro-abortion lunatics, Ruth sent us, says that they're going to be back at Kavanaugh's house protesting. Because the law apparently doesn't matter. The law is not a, an impediment to Democrats' insane left-wing pro-abortion activism. And this entire environment, by the way, of justice is under threat. It comes from the left. It comes from Democrats. And the Democrats at the top who could have, from the very beginning, who could have said things to calm everybody down, to respect our system, to make sure that this kind of mentality of intimidation, never mind what we saw here, which was a would-be assassin and, and a, an, an attempt at violence against a judge, um, the Democrats could have gone in that direction of calming everybody down, of respecting our institutions, of saying this is... At but no, actually, here's what they were saying after the draft was leaked. Watch. War has been declared on the American woman. How dare they tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body? We are not going back. Yeah, they're trying to criminalize our bodies. Yes, they're trying to move toward states' rights, and we all know what states' rights <laughs> means. Not ever! Not ever! Never! If 
founding fathers didn't recognize abortion as a fundamental right because the founding fathers were racist, misogynist jerk faces who didn't believe that women had any rights at all. The 50 years of rights, the 50 the decades of precedent that has just been spit on and thrown away in this draft opinion. No one is safe. This overturning Roe will be a mass criminalization event. Not ever! Not and honestly, at this point, I think we're all right to question the legitimacy of the court. It read like an anti-abortion activist wrote it, not a Supreme Court justice. I mean, these people are, are deranged. And I mean, the ones that are appearing on TV talking about this stuff. Look, the Democrats, for all their talk about the sacred institutions and the threats against our democracy, they're reckless when it comes to the tone that they use specifically around Supreme Court decisions that don't go their way. Because the Democrat Party is effectively, if you're trying to, trying to bring it down to its essence, they approach everything with the mind of a spoiled child or perhaps a spoiled teenager. My way or I scream and kick and shout until I get my way. There's nothing more than the needs of the collective Democrat Party at any point in time. Our way or the highway. Our way or we burn it all down. Flashback here to uh, 2020, just want to remind everybody of the kind of stuff. Now, Chuck Schumer did afterwards apologize for this because this was way over the line. But here's what the, remember, this is Chuck Schumer. He is the Senate Majority Leader and was at the time. And here he is saying in 2020, yeah, Kavanaugh, get ready for it. Watch. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Supreme Court justices have lifetime tenure. So what, what the hell is that supposed to mean? You won't know what hit you. Well, what's he going to do? Write him a strongly worded letter? You can't fire him. Can't do anything about it. So what's he going to do? Ah, yeah. And if you're saying, well, that was 2020 and Schumer apologized. Okay, well, after the leak of the Supreme Court draft just a couple months ago, the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki had an opportunity to say, hey, don't protest outside of judges' homes. It's gross, and it's also an assault on our system, and it's illegal. This is what the then White House Press Secretary actually said. So I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about uh, protests that have been peaceful to date, and we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes, and that's the president's position. But the silence is pretty deafening about all of the other intimidation that we've seen to a number of people. Oh, the other intimidation. What is she talking about? We're talking about judges who are protected under federal law from intimidation. And the White House officially is saying, yeah, those protests are fine. No, they're not. They're illegal, actually. We can all read the statute. By the way, speaking of illegal, where's the violence? Where's the rage coming from right now? It's not the people who may, may get their way and justice would actually prevail and babies would be living that otherwise would not. Uh, it's not the pro-life side of this that is the threat right now, despite what the Biden government may say. Might, might want to take a look at this, a map showing five attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers just in recent weeks. Offices in Madison, Wisconsin and Buffalo, New York have been firebombed reportedly. Offices in Asheville, North Carolina, Washington, D.C. and Hollywood, Florida were vandalized, spray painted, windows smashed because the left is the mob, the rage mob of the sanctimonious morons. That is what the left in America, which is the base of the Democrat Party, has turned into. All right, voters in San Francisco sent their far-left district attorney, Chesa Boudin, packing in a landslide recall vote yesterday. We'll have more on that with conservative commentator, former NYPD officer John Cardillo. 
Look, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a recent story about an Arizona real estate agent who found the home she lived in was listed for sale. Not a big deal, right? But wait, hold on. She wasn't actually selling her home. She was the victim of home title fraud, a devastating crime happening all over the country. According to the experts at Home Title Lock, the crime is incredibly profitable and hard to detect. An identity thief simply creates a fake title transfer for your home and refiles as the new owner. Then he can take out loans on your home or sell it. Typical identity theft services don't cover you and neither does homeowner's insurance. Home Title Lock does. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone tampering with your home's title, they help shut it down and help get your home back in your name. Here's what you should do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and read the testimonials from FBI agents and government officials. Then register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. When you protect your home, tell them Buck Sexton sent you for 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com, that's HomeTitleLock.com. John, uh, John Cardillo with us when we come back. Support for my podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 includes a ton of men's grooming products like the Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a bunch of other great men's hygiene products you never knew you needed, plus a travel bag to hold it all. The Lawn Mower Trimmer is the best. It's got a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and it's waterproof so no more messes on the bathroom floor. You'll also get the waterproof Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer with proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in all those delicate areas. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BUCK to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools with Manscaped. One of the most liberal cities in America is putting its progressive prosecutor on notice, finally. For the first time ever, San Francisco has recalled its district attorney, Chesa Boudin, as voters hold him responsible for a surge in murders, violent crime, and shameless shoplifting. So will this recall send a message to soft-on-crime prosecutors across the country? Let's ask former NYPD cop and conservative commentator John Cardillo. John, good to see you. Hey, Buck, always good to be with you. So this is a good thing. It's not a seismic shift, right? I'm sure they're going to replace uh, when the mayor, London Breed, uh, puts forward his replacement and they have elections. They're going to replace him with a Democrat in San Francisco. But at least it's moving in the right direction here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, one thing about Chesa Bode, we'll get into this guy, radical as they come, right? Parents were weather underground members convicted cop killers contemporaries of, of such illustrious luminaries as Bill Ayers and Asada Shakur, who uh, uh, Joanne Chesimar, right, has been on those. These, I mean, just radical, radical terrorists. But here's the thing. Chesa Bowden did not do one thing that he did not tell people he was going to do when he campaigned. Nothing was a surprise with this guy. He laid out the blueprint during his campaign then executed it to the letter. San Franciscans, these radical leftists, fuck, maybe they don't really like the real life version 
of these utopian, which are really dystopian policies, they promote because he didn't do anything he didn't say he was going to do. Here he is last night, by the way, in his concession speech. Here's Chesa Boudin, soon to be the former district attorney of San Francisco. Watch. People are angry. They're frustrated. And I want to be very clear about what happened tonight. The right-wing billionaires outspent us three to one. They exploited an environment in which people are appropriately upset. And they created an electoral dynamic where we were literally shadow boxing. I mean, I, this is amazing. Can we just take, take a second? This is amazing. The right wing billionaires are, yeah. I mean, 60% of San Franciscans voted to kick this clown out of office because they're sick of the home invasions, the assaults on the street, the theft, the armed robbery, you name it. And, and I mean, why does he think they're all so upset? It, this guy's like a lunatic. Oh, I mean, Buck, didn't you see the ATM cameras, that, that, that hidden footage of Larry Ellison and Elon Musk pumping raw sewage and, and, and heroin needles on the streets of San Francisco? I mean, the guy's out of his mind. Look, he was letting bad guys go free. He wasn't prosecuting worse bad guys. And he and so many other Democrats have abandoned quality of life crimes. They won't even touch him, which we know, you and I know this, right? We both in some fashion with the NYPD, you were over there on the intel side, I was there on the law enforcement side. We know that when you address what Rudy Giuliani did addressing quality of life crimes, typically leads to a reduction in the bigger crimes. This had nothing to do with anyone or anything other than, you're so polite in the way you say his name as well, Chesa Bodan's refusal to be a prosecutor, he wanted to be a far left activist, not the chief law enforcement officer, the chief prosecutor, prosecutorial officer of the city of San Francisco. It's amazing, John, because as we all know, there was a 30% increase in homicides in nationwide in 2020 to 2021. The George Floyd movement and BLM and all this played into this, of course, but the progressive prosecutors, they had already been seeded into all these different city bureaucracies in the years leading up to this, in part because I think of the media stoking a racial panic over the election of Donald Trump, right? So 2017, 2018, you start seeing the Chesa Boudin and, uh, you know, the Kim Fox and these other, Larry Krasner, these progressive prosecutors taking office. And it wasn't just that they had one year, the next year, 2022 to 2021, was also terrible in these cities. So we knew it wasn't just a pandemic blip or whatever crap they were saying at the time, the lies they were telling. In San Francisco, for example, 2022 versus 2021, Larceny so far uh, this year up 20%, assaults up 11%, homicides up 11%, rape up 9%. So they had a terrible year of crime rise across the country, but in San Francisco, uh, San Francisco specifically, and it keeps going, John. I think that was what people just said, well, enough is enough. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to addressing those quality of life crimes, right? The broken windows, leasing strategies. You know, you and I talk about this a lot, and so sometimes I don't delve into it when we're on air, but it's important to understand that maybe you have new viewers, which I'm sure you do as your audience grows, who are maybe younger, they don't understand what we're talking about. And simply put, what Rudy Giuliani, his police commissioners understood in New York City in the 90s, when they managed a crime reduction, crime fell off a cliff in New York, is if you go after the little things, the big things follow. Very simply put, if you arrest a guy 
or a shoplifting or jumping the turnstile in a subway, not paying the fare. Oftentimes, when you run their information after the arrest, you find they had warrants for felony robbery, felony burglary, uh, felony assault, some of these bigger crimes. And by getting those people off the street, returning them on those warrants to a judge, you were reducing crime across the board. Again, these progressive DAs, I'm so glad you brought up Larry Krasner in Philadelphia. He was really George Soros's first experiment with funding far left district attorneys to affect social change in the wrong direction. And look where Philadelphia is today, it's a mess. I have Philly cops reach out to me on Twitter, on Facebook all the time telling me how bad it is. But it's very simple. If you address the quality of life crimes, if you actually enforce the law, as crazy as it sounds, Buck, crime drops. And when you do the opposite, crime rises. The big city crime spike isn't just San Francisco, as I noted a moment ago, John. And again, in its second year of rise, right? 2020, 2021 was the worst year pretty much ever for a one-year crime spike nationwide. 2021 versus 2022, though, San Francisco's up 7.8%. New York City, though, with a new mayor, up 38%. Los Angeles, 11%. Chicago, 35%. Philadelphia, up 22%. Philadelphia last year had its all-time murder record, and it's just running slightly below that pace six months into 2022. John, I, I just want to know what your take is on, I've got a theory that in some of these cities, they're realizing that the progressive prosecutors, I mean, that's just essentially suicidal for the city. But bringing in a kind of mainstream Democrat who's still a little, you know, wishy-washy, that's not going to turn the momentum around. They're going to need a Giuliani-like figure to come in and say there's a new sheriff in town. Oh, 100%. I mean, New York City is the proof of that, right? Eric's, Eric Adams, I mean, the guy who's in New York City, police officer, guy retired the, as a New York City police captain. And crime is rising in New York City. Why? Because instead of being a leader, Instead of saying I had 23 years in the New York City Police Department, I may have a D behind my name, but I know what works and I know what doesn't to reduce crime. What's he doing? He's deferring to guys like Alvin Bragg, the far left Manhattan district attorney that won't prosecute anyone for anything. He's, he's now beholden to the radicals in the New York City Council and crime is rising. Also important to note a city like Portland, Ted Wheeler, one of the furthest left mayors in the United States, there was a period in those years you mentioned, Buck, 21 to 22, 20 to 21, when Portland saw an 800% increase in murders. This is unheard of. We haven't seen these numbers since the 70s. Crazy, but we'll see if people are waking up. Even Democrats, they gotta wake up too because they've managed to take over and now destroy their own cities. John, my friend, always words of wisdom. Good to see you. Great to see you, Buck, thanks. With numerous videos of kids at drag shows circulating online, a Texas lawmaker is now planning to introduce legislation to prevent kids from attending these events. We'll have more on that with podcast host and first TV contributor Rob Smith coming up. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your messages, your emails, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. This is what you need to secure yourself online. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. 
Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Outrage in Texas over a video going viral. Take a look. Drag show in Dallas invited children to walk the runway during an event called Drag Your Kids to Pride, which is drawing the attention of Texas lawmakers, with one representative planning to introduce legislation which will ban children from being allowed to attend drag shows. Watch. It's sad that we're at this point. Um, you know, we look, we have a lot of laws to protect kids in Texas. We don't let them get tattoos. They can't go in sexual, sex, sexually oriented businesses. They can't go in liquor stores. And then, of course, children need to just grow up and be children. They don't need to be sexualized. They don't need to be uh, presented with this where they're putting, you know, money into men's underwear. Uh, it's just not appropriate for children at all. So, Rob, what was your first reaction uh, to just seeing these videos that have been shared widely all around the Internet in recent days of the Drag Your Kids to Pride event? Well, the thing about it is, is that this has been going on actually for the past couple of years. I mean, I sounded the alarm about this um, in my first book, Always a Soldier. There was a, uh, a young drag kid named Desmond is Amazing who was around nine to ten years old at the time that was dancing for tips in a Brooklyn gay bar at 3 a.m. So I'm really glad that the rest of the conservative movement is sort of catching up to the far left LGBTQ stuff that has been going on over the past couple of years. So when I saw this, I was shocked but not surprised. I think it's morally repugnant. Um, I think it's silly and stupid. And it's not that the parents here um, it's not so much that the parents are terrible parents and they really shouldn't be allowing their kids to do all of this stuff as well, but it's also the business owners that are at play here. So these are, I don't know if they're local gay bars or if they're just regular spaces, et cetera. Um, but I think that the answer really is to go after these gay bars and go after these places of business that are allowing this stuff to happen. You have you know, kids sashaying up and down in an establishment that sells liquor around a bunch of adults. That's not okay. I'm not entirely sure that introducing legislation to sort of ban this, uh, these sorts of events legally um, is the, the best thing to do. Because I think as a gay man, I remember when it was illegal for gays and lesbians to sort of congregate in public. Of course, this is not the same thing in any capacity, but I don't think that going after uh, banning it with legislation is the right move. But I think that you should attack these places in these spaces that are allowing this to happen legally. Who owns these spaces? What are the liquor license laws? What are the laws that say whether or not kids can be around during adult entertainment? Because what drag shows are and what drag is, is adult entertainment. This was never intended for children. And the only reason that we're seeing this stuff over the past couple of years is because the far left LGBTQ has gone so insane um, with their indoctrination that they want to push this stuff on little kids. And it is just not okay. Yeah, well, why do you, I mean, to, to that point, Rob, um, because I've spoken to numerous friends from within the gay community who are outraged at the sexualization of children or putting yes. this kind of sexuality in front of children and, and again, resent the notion that the gay community is supposed to just go along with what the trans activists in the LGBTQ plus community are demanding when it comes to kids. 
Yes. Well, the thing about this is, is that, like I said, this isn't generally coming from gays and lesbians. This is coming from the TQ plus fringe. And I have a lot of um, gay and lesbian liberals that follow me as well. And the thing about it is, is that they're fed up with all of this stuff as well. They think that not only is it making a mockery out of whatever the LGBT community was, but it's also setting us back decades and decades and decades when we fought for and secured the rights that we have that just want to be free. Um, like most other Americans, the freedom to get married, the freedom to serve in the military, the freedom to work and be prosperous in a capitalist society um, without this sort of threat of being fired for who we are. This sort of drag queen story hour sexualization, sexualization of children, all of this other stuff is so far removed from any of that stuff. And these gay and lesbian liberals are so afraid of the mob that exists online. They are so afraid of the TQ fringe that has overtaken the entire movement that they are afraid to stand up and speak out against something that they know is morally wrong and they know is setting their movement back decades. Here's one of the attendees uh, who clashed with protesters at the Drag the Kids to Pride event today in Dallas. You people are the symptom of a dying society, and you know it. You're scaring children. Shut the up. Shut the up. up. Shut the up. Shame. You are child Shame abusers. on you. And you're not Shame a real woman. Shame on you. 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 Now, just to be clear, that was actually a few days ago. That was when the event happened. That video was from a few days ago. But um, Rob, one thing that I think was was really uh, jarring for a lot of folks. If I saw a bunch of of parents with children, you know, eight year olds, seven year olds, that's what it looked to be about uh, the age of the children there at a at a um, strip club with women who were doing the same moves, adult, actual females doing that same stuff, I'd say this is wildly inappropriate. And I, and I don't think there are any parents who would say hey, that wasn't that that's in you know that's appropriate. But there were parents with the kids. I mean, clearly you see someone there, you know. They're not Trump voters, um, but yeah. like, what is that? Well, the thing about it is, is that the this sort of far left fringe is indoctrinating their kids in all of this stuff, and they think that it's cute. They think that it's fun. Did you see the woman that was screaming? I mean, she's got all of the signs of being an absolute leftist. You know, she's got the green hair. Uh, she's got the love is love uh, T-shirt as she screams expletives as somebody that just does not agree with what she's doing. And so it's not so much. Um, that these drag events are happening because that is going on as well. But it's also the moral failing of the parents of these children because the parents are so far left and the parents are, are just being led uh, by this sort of far left gender cult TQ ideology. And they think that this is what's being, what being accepting and what being inclusive and all of this stuff is all about. It's repugnant and it's actually scary that these people are out here uh, raising kids and thinking that this is an appropriate setting for their seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year old kids to be. And by the way, not only taking the kids to drag events like this, there's a new show called Generation Drag on Discovery Plus about literally seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 year old drag queens. So uh, kids 
that are that age that are actually drag performers uh, dressing up in women's clothing and doing exaggerated sexual moves and doing all of these things um, that drag performers do. I'm not inherently against drag. I think, like I said, it's a very popular art form that is for adults. What I'm against is bringing children into these spaces and telling children that it is okay for them to participate in this. It is deeply, yeah. deeply morally wrong. Yeah, it's about it's about the kids here. It's about the children. So that's that's the big difference. I know you know this, and I think people are really wondering what the heck is going on here. Rob, appreciate you being with us. All right, thanks, Bud. Twitter has officially caved to Elon Musk's demand for unprecedented access to the social media platform's internal data just days after the billionaire threatened to walk away from a deal to purchase the company if it didn't comply. We'll have more on that with former Facebook employee and director of the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation, Tara Frederick, when we come back. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Billionaire Elon Musk seems to have won at least one battle against Twitter. Earlier this week, Musk threatened to walk away from a deal to buy the social media company if it didn't allow him and his legal team full access to its internal data to address concerns about the number of spam bots on the platform. In a letter to Twitter, Musk's attorney wrote, Twitter's latest offer to simply provide additional details regarding the company's own testing methodologies, whether through written materials or verbal explanations, is tantamount to refusing Mr. Musk's data requests. Twitter's effort to characterize it otherwise is merely an attempt to obfuscate and confuse the issue. Mr. Musk has made it clear he does not believe the, ta uh, the company's lax testing methodologies are adequate, so he must conduct his own analysis. The data he has requested is necessary to do so. After Twitter had about 48 hours of deliberation, it appears Musk will receive the information he asked for. Join me now to discuss former Facebook intelligence analyst and director of Heritage's, uh, Heritage Foundation's Tech Policy Center, Kara Frederick. Kara, thanks for being with us. Of course, thanks for having me. So let's start with, what, what is it for everyone at home? You know, people work in this stuff, the media care a lot more about the Twitter situation, I think, than everyday folks. But so explain to us, uh, what the issue was here. There are too many bots on, basically Elon as the purchaser of Twitter wants to know how many fake accounts there are. Is that what this is? Exactly. And the lawyers, the letters that are flying between the lawyers, uh, Elon's lawyers at least are saying that this is a clear material breach of the takeover agreement because Twitter has said, we're not going to let you look under the hood in this way. We're not going to reveal proprietary information. They're calling it private information that they don't want to reveal to the public about their bot counting and their spam methodologies. So Twitter has itself uh, publicly said that we, the platform is comprised of only 5% bots. But Elon said, no, nah, I've done a little digging with my own people and we're thinking it could be upwards of 20% bots um, composed of you know what the platform is or the automated accounts that are on the platforms vice the real legitimate authentic users. So, so that's what this is about because 
if Twitter is comprised of 20% bots, then Elon's not getting his money's worth out of this platform. It doesn't, it's not real political discourse that's going on. It's not real authentic users that are engaging with each other. It's, you know, those automated accounts that push various, you can push propaganda, you can push advertising, you can push all sorts of crazy things, you know, strings and puppeteers from state-linked actors like the CCP can run rampant on these platforms too. So Elon wants to know what he's paying for. And Twitter has thus far said, mm, we're not going to let you in on that because all of that is proprietary to us, our private platform. In an article on The, the Verge, they wrote that Twitter will give Elon Musk firehose data access to settle bot complaints. And Twitter is preparing to grant Elon Musk unprecedented access to platform data in an effort to address his concerns about automated accounts. So this, this fire hose of data they're talking about, how could they assume that? I mean, if someone's gonna buy your company, don't they, and you have an agreement with them that they're looking at, they're doing their due diligence, how could they hide this? I mean, that, that's, it just seems like this is so basic. Yeah, no kidding. And that's, I think, what's going through Elon's head as well. He wants to make sure that he's what he was promised is what he's actually getting. So if that fire hose of data comes at him, you know, Elon knows a lot of smart people in the industry. I hope he has an army of data scientists, of programmers, of people who can actually comb through this data and make sense of it. That would be great. Uh, and look and basically double check the methodologies for bot counting and all of these spam accounts. So that would be fantastic. Fantastic, but you're right. It's the most basic thing. And what I think this actually does end up highlighting, Buck, is the fact that these tech companies, they do not operate with transparency as one of their major goals or one of their major values whatsoever. If Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, has to beg and beg and beg to get access to a platform that he should ultimately end up owning, then this is a problem. Think of what the average American user gets when they sign up for these tech companies, it ain't transparency. What do you, what do you think he may find here? Because there's clearly some sensitivity on the part of the current and, and hopefully soon to be former Twitter leadership about their data, their practices. Um, do you have some sense of what Elon could be looking at beyond just bots? You know, Twitter's had a, a long heads up right now. So they've had time to sort of try to clean up their act. Uh, there were reports initially when the deal first emerged in the public eye that they were sort of minding their P's and Q's, that they were halting all um, a product tinkering and any sort of uh, different sort of evolutions of their product from being shipped. So that, remember, everyone was experienced on, on the conservative side, at least, that those uptick in user counts and whatnot. So. I think they've had a while to try to clean up their act and get those content moderation processes. If they don't want Elon to investigate um, and look at what they're doing, that's obviously been very biased. Um, they're probably cleaning that up right now. They've probably had a lot of time to clean it up uh, as you know, we in the, in the intelligence community to burn all the documents and whatnot would have done before we're getting out of embassies overseas. Uh, so I think it's, uh, I think they've been given a lot of lead time to clean up their act. But, you know, Elon's good. And again, he has really powerful friends who are good at this stuff too. So we'll see. I think they'll be able to ferret something out for the American people to look at. Do you think this transaction, the purchase of Twitter, which could have enormous implications for our information ecosystem on the news side, just free speech implications in general, 
Do you think Elon's going to actually end up the owner of Twitter based on what you're seeing? You know, Buck, I think it's 50-50. And just in terms of what Elon's thinking himself, he could be walking away or he could, again, be setting himself up for those more advantageous terms and actually trying to get this platform at a discount. So at this point, you know, I was I was a little skeptical in the beginning. Then my hope really, really spiked. But look at what they're throwing at him. Remember when the board took those poison pills? Uh, look at the joint SEC and DOJ investigations by the Biden administration reportedly into his his other business dealings. Look at the sexual misconduct allegations. I mean, these people are throwing everything they can at Elon. And if he ends up actually confirming that the, the bots are only at 5% or in an area that Twitter says they are, I really, really hope he does. And I really hope he takes over, breaks the ideological monopoly that these big tech companies have over Americans and, and uses it as a force for free speech in the world as he he says. So I hope it goes through. Right now, I think it's 50-50, to be completely honest. Do any of these free speech devoted platforms that have been popping up in the last couple of years, I mean, you, you were at Facebook, which is kind of the, the, the granddaddy of all of this, if you will, right? I mean, the, the biggest one and, and, and the one that you know, really got the whole social media revolution started. So do you think that whether it's Getter or Truth Social or any of them, did, did, could they maybe break, Parler, could they maybe break out? You know, I think it really depends on their underlying technology. So there's a company called Rumble that you're familiar with, a YouTube yeah, sure. competitive uh, competitor, and they have their own cloud hosting services. There's other even specifically designed cloud hosting services that are for free speech, like RightForge. So, you know, it depends on if they make themselves in, themselves invulnerable to something like Amazon Web Services yanking a parlor off of their cloud hosting services. So conservatives, if they build with that full digital stack in mind and have uh, an acknowledgement that the infrastructure actually matters, not just the platform sitting on top of those cloud hosting services and those servers, then I think they have a chance at survival. But if they just ride on top of what these big tech platforms have already built, then you know there's always the chance that you're gonna get snuffed out or you have to be beholden to the ideology of these companies and what they're pushing. Yeah, always appreciate it. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Buck. As the American economy continues to suffer, the White House apparently thinks things are great. We'll have that video for you in Quick Hit. Stay with us. The Biden White House continues to live in fantasy land when it comes to the U.S. economy, and CNN says both sides are a threat to Supreme Court justices. Really? We have those stories in Quick Hits. Let's get right to it. Look, the Biden regime is... Uh, just barely holding on, it feels like, in any given day. Their poll numbers are terrible. Uh, the economy is not good. People are upset. This wasn't what was promised. They seem really incompetent. Everything, the Afghan withdrawal debacle, the giant war that's broken out in Europe, the price of gas, inflation, the wide open border, crime rise in major cities all across America. It's been a disaster, disaster. The economy, though, is where it really stings for the Biden team because People vote based on that kind of stuff, you know? The economy's stupid, right? We all remember that. Marie Jean-Pierre is the White House press secretary, and she tried to explain to everybody yesterday that the economy is actually, you know, better than it has been historically. Watch. 
We understand that people are feeling feeling this. They are feeling uh, the increase of prices, uh, which with food in particular right now and gas. That is that is something that we understand. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you, is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so we feel here at this administration and other experts as well is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation. We are in a good position to really start. Uh, really working on uh, lowering prices. A good position to do those things. They've been in charge for 18 months. Well, now, now all of a sudden they're in the position to make the economy good? What's been going on for the last 18 months, folks? Just wondering. Yeah. After taking only a handful of questions at Tuesday's news briefing, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre left the briefing room. One reporter says, um, watch this one. Can you take some on the economy? Guys, we need a longer break. That wasn't, by the way, that was, you could hear a little bit of a uh, deucey from Fox News there, but that wasn't him. It was some other reporter who said, we need a longer briefing, as in like, you got to tell us something here, okay? This is a White House press briefing. You got to have stuff to say. It's a big government. A lot of things going on, right? Mm-mm. Just want to get out of there as soon as they can. And then there's this, look, the, the libs are desperate right now because they know that their side, the uh, pro-abortion, pro-killing of babies, uh, and you know, pro-destroy the integrity of the Supreme Court if they don't get their way side, um, looks pretty awful right now to anybody who's paying attention to what's happening. So they're going to do this whole, oh, but the threat against the Supreme Court justices, you know, it comes from both sides politically. No, it doesn't, but CNN's trying that. Watch. This certainly contributes to this overall threat landscape we've been talking a lot about. The major concern here with this abortion ruling from federal officials, and they've been sounding the alarm alarm on this for about a month, is that Supreme Court justices will certainly be, you know, potentially targeted by violent extremists who are angered over this pending ruling that is poised to strike down Roe v. Wade. This is an extremely passionate issue. There are emotions on both sides. Federal officials have made clear over and over they believe the risk truly comes from both sides of this abortion debate. It does not actually come from both sides of the abortion debate. We all know what's going on. We all know that the uh, lunatic Biden voters who think that murdering babies is a constitutional right, they're the ones that Supreme Court justices, unfortunately, have to be concerned about now when it comes to safety. And they're all Biden voters. Truth. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia. And you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. (laughs) You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.